And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. This is a DNVR Avalanche Emergency Alert System podcast. The Colorado Avalanche have won both of their games on the back-to-back before the deadline. I say again, the Colorado Avalanche have won both of their games on the back-to-back before the deadline. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We are bringing you a bonus pod to talk about the Avs now winning three straight for the team as the trade deadline looms. AJ, I think it's safe to say neither of those games were amazingly exciting, but the Avs got the job done. Fair. (laughs) Very fair. They ended up beating first the Anaheim Ducks one to nothing, getting Pavel Francouz his first shutout in the NHL, assisted by a a Martin Kaut assist, no less, his first point in the NHL on the only goal of the game. And then they followed that up last night with a 2-1 win over the LA Kings in what came down to a shootout. And then I lost my mind inside Blake Street Tavern. So that happened. Um, On the whole, this is not how the Avs have been winning games this year. This was very strong defensive efforts for the most part, and the entire team coming through and playing extremely well in front of Fransos. Yeah, and I think that that's um, a good place to start here. Pavel Fransos did a great job this weekend. He did. He absolutely did. did. a great job this weekend. But... He faced 17 shots in regulation against the Kings, four in overtime, the power play and all that. Like, that was big. 26 shots uh, in in Anaheim. The defense in front of him played very well. They did a very good job of making sure that Francois did not have to work super hard. A lot of perimeter stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So. And on the other side of that, a lot of quality rebound clearing, especially in that Anaheim game for Fransos. So that it, it, he's just not great with his rebound control. It is what it is. The defense knows that they did a good job managing it. Yeah. The, the, the frustrating one for me was the, the glove. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of pucks hit the catching glove and just popped out. Don't stay in it. Yep. For sure. Just odd. That's yeah. that's all that's all I have to say about it. It's odd. I and, okay. <laughs> and, and like he gave up that goal against Tampa Bay, uh, where he couldn't cover the puck, and right. then almost had that problem again. Yeah, uh, it was sitting underneath him in the Kings game, loose. Well, and... he he did have that problem in Anaheim. Remember the one that came off the back wall, and he couldn't quite cover it up. And then like they ran into him and pushed him into the net, and the puck went in. But the puck yeah, and was then it was loose. a no goal. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, 
And then that puck uh, again at the at, in the Kings game, late in the Kings game, just trickles through him, and he thinks he has it covered, and it's sitting in between his legs. I I I don't know if this is just like a, it's just a weird week, or if he actually has a problem with this, but it's a really bizarre like thing to happen. I mean, I I remember a couple of times of it happening in the AHL last year, but. You know, it does it's certainly not once a game like it has been this week. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it's always tough with goalies, right? But there's definitely still some things on the eye test that I think is why you and I are a bit apprehensive about calling him a starter level goaltender. And with that being said, this is exactly what the Avs needed out of him over these yep. last two games. He's given up one goal and it was on a penalty shot. So well, we we could be we could be apprehensive about his long term prospects as a starting number one goalie who plays fifty to fifty five games a year, and still appreciate the fact that he played very well this weekend. Exactly, he he gave the Avs a chance to win both of these games even with missing half of their top six in the LA game. So, right. And like those are, I went and looked outside of the historically awful Detroit Red Wings. Those are the two worst offenses in the league. Yeah. Anaheim and LA. And then uh, the Islanders are ranked 21st. So Frankie did a very good job this week, but you have to understand there's context there. The one good offense that he played Put up four on him. Yep. That's not to say all four were his fault. Come on. (laughs) Just that that's just what happened. That's just the reality of it. But did a great job, and then he gets Buffalo Wednesday. So um, Another very beatable team, to say the least. Definitely. You should should be feeling good about that. He should should continue, you know, depending on what happens tomorrow at the deadline, what kind of uh, goaltending help they bring in. He should continue to be the man. Yeah, I, I've already talked about how I think it's fine. I don't think the Evs even need to bring in a goaltender, but if they do, they do. It, it, it's kind of whatever at this point, unless Frankie falters significantly and, and Grubauer continues to be out. Um, for the team, it does seem like Burakovsky should be back on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, the other ones, obviously, are, are still week to week at this point, so... We'll see yeah. how that goes, but the Avs have gotten some step-up production. I mentioned Martin Kaut's first assists on a JT Comfer goal. Ryan Graves got back in the goal column against LA. It they, These are the goals that they need, the points that they need from random people. It's it's next man up season once again for the Avs right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, getting, that con- getting the contributions, man. Um, you're missing four of your regular forwards. And your top line goes dry for two straight games, which does not happen very often. And you win them both. Yep. I mean, tough to complain. Hard to complain indeed. And then, of course, Donskoy with the the shootout goal as well. So Needed he's that. someone who yeah, has not had a lot of production. When you're looking at the Avs bottom six of late, guys like Donskoy, guys like Belmar, guys like Jost's. Not very many points on the board, and mm, Matt Nieto has yeah. fewer points than Tyson Jost in the last two months. It's he has like what one point in his last ten games or something. Uh, yes. So it it has been a little bit slow on that side, and that's gotta stop. 
the the production yeah. has to come. Definitely, you need those guys to contribute a little bit. You've got to you've got to get some help there. So potentially something that could change in the deadline one way or another, whether it's bumping people down or, or picking up a, a bottom six type player, who knows? We will get to that tomorrow as it has been an extremely slow Sunday with essentially no trades happening as of the recording of this podcast. Yeah. So, which is nice. And really the only news of the day is that Chris Kreider and the Rangers have not come to a contract extension. Uh, agreement which they were working on hammering out. Larry Brooks was uh, wrote a wrote a piece today, I think, for whichever outlet he works for. I think it's the New York Post. Um, but there's like a million up there. Yeah. Um, saying basically that the the Rangers were willing to give him six years. Kreider's looking for seven. Uh, they the the Rangers were were going to go somewhere in the six million range. We're not going to go to the seven that Kreider wanted. And to be honest with you, as much as I like Chris Kreider as a player, the idea of trading for him and then signing him to a contract in the area of a seven by seven, um, that makes that a much <laughs> less interesting proposition. He wants the Kevin Hayes deal, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And... You know, Kevin Kevin Hayes gets to boost his boost his his value a little bit by saying I'm a center. Chris yep. Kreider doesn't. So I certainly don't want anything to do with that. I'll put it that way. And and I don't think things have really changed there. The Avs were pretty apprehensive about paying that price, regardless. It it seemed earlier. Yeah. But certainly Kreider back on the market. It sounds like and. You never know. He could end up in St. Louis. He could end up somewhere like Nashville if they try to make a push. Could be something the Avs have to go up against. Yep. <clears throat> the the St. Louis Nashville Dallas combination. Yeah. Is going to be very interesting to watch over the next twenty four hours. Could be a lot of movers and shakers in the central. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean it's St. Louis's nature to go big. Um they, you know, Marco Scandella, maybe all they do, especially maybe. with the uncertainty of Bo Meester. Uh, But I, I think that they would be hard pressed to just sit still. They've they've lost their cushion in in the division. They're now in a three team race. They they might need to do something, honestly. They might. Speaking of which, after the ups and downs the last two weeks for the Avs on their losing streak and then flipping it back to a winning streak, they are once again one point behind the St. Louis Blues with a game in hand for first place in the Central. The Stars just one point behind the Avs. The Avs also have a game in hand on them, but that's it. Those three teams are within two points of each other, and the next team in the Central is Winnipeg, 10 points back of the Avs with 64 games played so that's you're not even thinking about Winnipeg Nashville has a mountain to climb to actually get into the central race they could probably still make the wild card in the west but I don't think you're worried about Nashville catching the abs anymore no so not not these days so the abs seem to have that top three spot in the central locked in now it's it's time to see if they can go out and, and get the first spot or hold off Dallas and hold on to the second spot or, or, or where they end up. 
will be certainly interesting down the stretch. A lot of talk about the Avs having the easiest schedule in the NHL from here on out as far as quality of opponents. They also have no extra days off starting on Wednesday. Yep. So it's going to be grueling. And with injury problems already, I mean, it's going to be some yeah. tired legs. And, you know, maybe <clears throat> maybe the uh, uh, blessing in disguise is that Guys like Kadri and Rantanen and Calvert are able to come back with get a uh, little rest. Yeah, <laughs> they'll they'll have fresher legs um, if they come back later on in March. That's true. Get a little bit of a resurgence that way, perhaps. That depth second line can pick up some of the slack, maybe. Yep, there you go. But we'll have to wait and see on that, as the Avs are going to have to keep winning to to stay in the race. It's just a reality every year in the Central down the stretch. If you're going 7-3, and three, a lot of the time, that's just good enough to stand pat. So this division is crazy like that. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where it will shake out at this point, but you got to like the Avs' chances. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We've been we've been talking about like winning the division and all that, but like making making the playoffs first and foremost is the original goal here. And yep. you know, the Avs are only eleven points back from tying their point total from last season. Yeah. That's with twenty one games left to play. Yeah, twenty one so. games to go. Um just to just to get to the ninety point plateau that they hit last year, you know, they're <clears throat> 16 points from the 95 marker that I always kind of draw the line in the sand for making the postseason. They're in very good shape. So even for all the injuries, even for some of the losing streaks during the season, the Avs have set themselves up extremely well in this push for the playoffs, I guess, if you want to call it that. Should be interesting as things develop. The big hole that we keep talking about is that last top six forward spot. And I guess that's just the question is, do the Avs solve that tomorrow? That's the question that and whatever they want to do for uh, a goaltender. Yep. So that's, that's what we have to look forward to here. Anything else you want to talk about on this podcast, AJ? I know it's pretty short right now since it's a bonus one. If you got something you want to profess, uh no, I you know just a quick a quick thank you to everybody that came out to the watch party uh on Saturday night. Uh, it was a great time. Got to meet a lot of people, shake some hands. It was awesome. It was an awesome time. Um I wish the game had been a little more entertaining, but it had the right outcome, so it's all good. Exactly. I just echoing AJ. Thank you everyone for coming out. It was nice talking with a bunch of you. If I didn't talk to you at that one, be sure to come to our next one and, and chat me up because I'll, I'll talk with whoever just kind of shows up next to me. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty funny. Our little video that we posted of AJ just giving a little fist pump and me like falling to my knees in happiness at the win. So <laughs> a little bit of a yeah. good contrast there. Somebody somebody called me Captain Serious on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I was like, eh, I'll take that. You can be Taze. I'll be Kane. I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm rethinking that now, but it's too late. I've committed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> 
we're getting out of here. Just a little bonus show to talk about the Avs winning game, since I imagine all of tomorrow's show is going to be us talking trades. And we'll be live somewhere around 11, certainly by noon, to talk about everything that has gone down and kind of just hang out and see the trades that roll in. So hang out with us on that. would be highly encouraged. I'm sure we'll be talking to chat and all that. Until then, we'll talk to you later. The FBR Avalanche.